to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. We're so glad you're here. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today because hopefully if all goes according to plan at the time of this recording this is the second episode in a week that you guys are hearing which is fantastic because it's a very special week here at the friends talking fantasy podcast it is friends pitching fantasy week (sighs) because people are loving it and uh you know we love to record them a very exciting time in the Friends Talking Fantasy universe where we figure out, hey, what book should we read next? You know, you did such a fantastic job pitching your books earlier in the week, uh, you know, pushing through there with your um, cold and a little bit of movie magic here. This We literally just recorded that seconds ago, so you're still pushing through, and we love you for that, don't we, folks? And um, because now we're talking about my picks. So I'm going to be picking, pitching three different fantasy books today. And later in the week, Dylan is going to have to pick one of them for us to read on the show. And I will have to pick one of Dylan's. So two books coming up in the Friends Talking Fantasy reading schedule. What they're going to be, we don't know yet. Dylan, really quickly, you, you want to just go through the three books that you had pitched in the last episode? Gladly, I did Senlin Ascends by Josiah Bancroft, which I still didn't have time to look that up because this is seconds later from the previous episode. <laughs> um, but yes, book one of the completed Babel Quartet, uh, Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, a massively popular uh, fantasy romance and also The Maleficent 7 by Cameron Johnston, a fun, grim, dark uh, romp, if you will, mm-hmm. brought to us by our buddies over at Angry Robot Books. <laughs> yes. Three fantastic <laughs> picks, Dylan. Well, I'm sure those are up on the socials now for you to go in at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter letting us know how you feel about that selection maybe we'll put a little poll up so you can vote on which one you'd want us to actually read and talk about on the show um we're gonna do the same thing today i'm gonna be pitching three books now and we're gonna put that poll up and we're gonna use all of the feedback we've gotten from socials over friends pitching fantasy week to decide which books we are going to read next on the show so without any more delay dylan i think i'm just gonna get right into my selection here now When I was curating these pitches for you today, I was thinking about, one, what do I actually want to read next? And that was a harder question for me to answer than usual because we've read so many fantastic books over the past couple years here on the Friends Talking Fantasy show. So I was really having to dig back. And one of the things I was thinking was, what are some of these books that are gaps, maybe not necessarily in in my reading because I've read two out of the three books that I'm pitching today, but... Gaps on the show, things that we just have not talked about that I would love to talk about on the show, things that would ignite some pretty interesting conversations, pull in some new authors, new to us, but beloved by the community. Um, and then also, you know, just these these big upcoming, you know, things that I think we need to cover on the show. 
These are things that I think we're missing out on in the in the conversation of fantasy online. So that's kind of the framework for how this these pitches came together. The first book will I will be pitching today is Bloody Rose by Nicholas Eames, book two of the band trilogy. You know, and this one I have not read, but we, you know, read the first book, Kings of the Wild, and Nicholas Eames friend of the show fantastic interview i just miss him and i want to read more of it and that's why he's on here and i'm sure that book three is, is coming out any day now so we got to be prepared um then we have the way of shadows by brent weeks i was very excited to finally bring this back you've mentioned brent weeks a few times there was a i forget which book we were talking about but you were like i hope you bring him into friends pitching fantasy whenever we do that again yeah. and and so I took note, and I was already planning to do it, of course, but I was like, I'm glad you said that because I was going to no matter what. It was only a matter of which Brent Weeks series I was going to bring into the game, and we'll get more into that when I pitch The Way of Shadows, book one of the Night Angel trilogy by Brent Weeks, and then the last one, pulling out the big guns here with Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. Interesting conversation around this one that we'll have when I go to pitch it, of course. But I'm, I'm, of all of them, I think this would be the juiciest for like a thematic discussion, just you know, discussions on themes and relationships and things like that. So that's Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb. Robin Hobb and Brent Weeks have not been discussed on this show. You cannot find a single episode of us talking about them, and that is a crime. So that is why they're both on here. So there you go, Dylan. Three books and. Uh, what do you think before I get into that? I think I have a very difficult choice uh, <laughs> to make in the future, Charles, but luckily Indeed. I'll have some help from the listeners. We can drop a poll and uh, see what what they're most excited about us potentially getting into. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to choose between these three awesome books. It's it's a real challenge that you've laid out. <laughs> you know, I do not envy you in this case at all. You know, Nicholas Eames, a friend of the show, if you don't pick him, you'd be devastated. And then Brent Weeks and Robin Hobb, two that <laughs> we definitely find a way to get through it. <laughs> if he even realizes. <laughs> and then Brent Weeks and Robin Hobb, you know, two other classics. I can't imagine walking away from one of them, you know, which you have to do through nature of friends pitching fantasy. That's the game. So hopefully these pitches will help you at least inform your decision, Dylan. That's what I'm here to do today. And then also entertain the listeners and encourage them to go over and throw their opinion into the proverbial hat that is our Twitter page. So um, let's not delay any further. Let's go ahead and get started. The first one that I wanted to bring up is Bloody Rose by Nicholas Eames. And I recognize that this one may have a little bit of an uphill battle ahead of it in terms of which book you're going to pick, Dylan, because, you know, we are familiar with Nicholas Eames. Of course, we've had him on the show. He gave a fantastic interview. He had really glowing things to say about our episode on Kings of the Wild. You had pitched Kings of the Wild to me, and now here we are, me pitching Bloody Rose to you. This is a wonderful moment here, and I wanted to make sure that this had its moment to shine, and we considered reading it, and that you really do give it a a thorough consideration um, against these other two titans in the industry. Um, and that's for a variety of, of reasons. But, you know, to get into it, um, you know, let's I want to go to like the 
also rec- the commonly also recommended section of Goodreads for this. You have Christopher Buhlman's Black Tongue Thief. You have The Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn. You even have Joe Abercrombie snuck in there. I mean, these guys are so closely aligned with the kind of fantasy that we most, I would say, you know, especially with like Abercrombie. Buhlman is a recent new love of ours. And Gwyn, obviously, we love the Gwyns and every single one of those guys over there and the and the, and the Gwyn family. So this is right along the avenue of the kind of fantasy content that we love to read and talk about on the show. And, you know, we know, and I know you have this book on your bookshelf, Dylan. That's another reason. For convenience sake, you, you already have it, and it's been on your TBR. It's been on mine ever since we finished Kings of the Wild. I might have all these books. You might have them all. It's certainly possible. You do <laughs> have a bit of a problem. Assassin's but Apprentice. <laughs> there's worse problems but to have in life. I've read Assassin's Apprentice, so I have that one. Well, well yeah, we're going to get into that in a, yeah, in a, in a, in a moment, we'll but... You, you own, you probably own all of them. You definitely own Bloody Rose. And yeah, I mean, we it's right along the vein of the kind of fantasy that we would love. You know, Kings of the Wild was a fantastic read. It's balance of the humor and the entertainment and the characters. And then, you know, the idea that you're able to bring in all of these references to, to music and to video games and things like that and not have it be like cringy or campy that's just nicholas eames style he just knows how to have a bloody good time entertain you along the way a couple winks and nods snuck in there for those of us in the know and i did a little bit of research because i haven't read this one and i want to know okay what's coming up in this one what can we be looking forward to here a lot of the common threads that i see amongst the conversation around bloody rose is that especially compared to kings of the wild you're getting grander more intense battle scenes you're getting gritty yet comedic tones which we obviously were expecting from a nicholas eames work and one of the things dylan that i'm bringing up just for you because again i'm pitching this to you is the final fantasy references and easter eggs that can be found in this Ah. book i've been told that there are many and patrick you know very um you know prolific Prolific. reader and reviewer um had mentioned he's also a Final Fantasy fan and he was listing a bunch of Final Fantasy Easter eggs that he found in this book mm. specifically. So that's how I'm feeling. And we also know Nicholas Eames, through talking to him, is a big Final Fantasy fan as well. You all have this in common. Dylan, you are a very big Final Fantasy fan. So, hello, none of these other books have Final Fantasy references in them. This is the only one. So you need to, to be considering knowledge. that. <laughs> to our knowledge. I mean, I've read the other two, but I'm not a very, I'm not well read on Final Fantasy. On so yeah. I probably must. So yeah, I mean, I have, I, who knows? But this one is publicly known. And you know, Nicholas Eames and his Easter eggs. He, he's, a, he's a big fan. So oh, yeah. I got so much enjoyment out of the Easter eggs of the 70s music references and Kings of the Wild. I imagine you will have just as much joy reading all of the Easter eggs for Final Fantasy. And I will say this, Dylan, of all the books I'm pitching today, this is perhaps going to be the most entertaining book I will recommend today. Of course, Brent Weeks's Way of Shadows is going to kick ass and has a lot of action and, and blood and guts and stuff. Assassin's Apprentice, 
a little, it, it, you dwell a little bit in the misery, but we love that sometimes, you know, a la um, King Killer Chronicles sometimes. So it, in its own beautiful way. Um, but this one is just going to be the most on its face entertaining. And that's really the standout thing for this book, obviously beyond our our budding relationship with Nicholas Eames. And then, of course, we need to be prepared for book three. Budding which like I, a rose. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, you got the, it. Possibly the you most unnecessary <laughs> interjection in the history of the show. But I'm glad someone's listening. You know, you got to weave them in for the fans, but I'm glad you also yeah. picked up on that, too. Uh, just a little Easter egg a la Eames, you know, like, just trying to weave stuff in um, and see what people will catch and find out. And the last point I was going to make before being done with my pitch, of course, was that it will get us prepared for book three, which I think the title is Outlaw Empire. I'm sure that's subject to change, but that is what's being listed. There's no release date or anything like that that I'm aware of, but it could be coming out any minute now. You never know. Fantasy authors these days, it's very in vogue to like drop a book, you know, and make it, you know, coming out soon. And we got to be prepared, you know, and I would love to have Eames back on the show, talk about Bloody Rose and, and talk about the future. And I feel like reading this book is a great opportunity to do that. So that is why I am pitching Bloody Rose, book two of the band trilogy by Nicholas Eames. And I also think the music references are more 80s skewed as well. Yeah. I guess I could get into the synopsis a little bit, but um, the synopsis ends with, of course, its own little Easter egg. I'm trying to pull it up. It's a, it's time to take a walk on the wild side. Of course, I don't, ah. I don't think that's an 80s song. I think that's earlier lou reed's walk on the wild side yeah yeah Uh, um yeah of course you know very on brand for eames so that's that's my that's my pitch of of bloody rose well a fantastic pitch there charles i think this is a book that i feel very very confident i'm going to love i loved kings of the wild i've read that one twice already one of those weird situations where i've read the first book twice because i read it pitched it Mm. then we read for the show but have not yet read the second book and i think the only reason it would be an uphill battle is like it's a it's a second book you know Mm. and we like we know what's like our listeners have already heard a lot of our thoughts on Kings of the Wild. Um, mm-hmm. We are very familiar with Eames and everything we know we love. But like you mentioned before, these like Hob and Weeks blaring gaps in our mm-hmm. in our resumes as fantasy podcasters, it feels like that's that's going to be tough to overcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if any if any book can do it, it might be Bloody Rose. It's <laughs> a yeah. I know it's gonna be fun. I know it's gonna be funny. I know it's gonna be entertaining, and I'm I'm definitely gonna read it at some point. Like I, I bought the copy not just to look pretty on my bookshelf, although it does look <laughs> it pretty. It does on my look pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bought it to read it, and I I know I'll read it at some point. The only question is, will I? Will we be reading it next? And mm-hmm. the only way that I can determine that is by hearing your other two pitches, I think. I appreciate that segue, Dylan. It's true. I, I will just say that, um, you know, we've always picked books to read, not on what we thought listeners were going to want to 
listen I've to. I've sold out, though. <laughs> I didn't tell you. Are you getting paid? <laughs> I want to sell out too, you know, like oh. I'll, I'll, I'm for sale. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm it's just no one, is, no one's buying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Audible. We'd love, we'd love oh, your money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we won't completely sell out, you know, <laughs> just mm-hmm. tell us I what think to the say. other <laughs> thing I want to mention is on the cover of Bloody Rose, <laughs> it says girls just want to have fun, in which I think is a funny, mm. uh, funny little shout line for the book because obviously that's a that i think is an actual 80s song reference and then of course like what's different from the last book this one is it takes place with um the infamous bloody rose who is a woman and there was kind of a important character in the first book you know so um i don't want to get too into the plot in fear of spoiling the first book for anyone that may not have read kings of the wild but um just know that there's a fun i probably should have started with the synopsis so i won't get too into it at this point but basically incredible concept hook where you know bands are groups of mercenaries for hire and they get like celebrity status and they have these cult of personalities a la rock and roll bands you know and that's that winning formula by nicholas eames and we're going to get more of that but it's going to be evolved it's going to be different new characters in the future new references to pull from new easter eggs to generate so a lot to dig into there so yes we've talked about and discussed kings of the wild but there's going to be a lot of new stuff to dive into and we know we love this author we know we love this world these characters this premise and it's time for more i mean we it, it wouldn't be the first time we've read a sequel you know and far from it so um that's my pitch for bloody rose by nicholas eames and now to capitalize on your segue dylan the long anticipated pitch for <laughs> i don't know if you're capitalizing on it if you talk for like <laughs> oh, three minutes i'm between. desperately pulling back the into segue. it now i'm talking yeah. about the way of shadows by brent weeks book one of the night angel trilogy now i don't think this is the first time i've pitched this for a long time fans of the friends pitching fantasy series and friends talking fantasy uh, as a show I think this was within the first multiverse the multiverse I think this was one, <laughs> one of the the very first friends pitching fantasy was me trying to get you to read Brent Weeks you know and there is a reason why that came to my mind way back in the very beginning when we had so many more books to possibly choose from and read you know like even Patrick Rothfuss was still a gap in the show's history at the time and Joe Abercrombie was well, a gap I in pitched, the show's history at the time what? I think I pitched Rothfuss you did I and I did Rothfuss choose that, that one but yeah. it was still a gap at the time okay so this just goes to show you how far back me pushing brent weeks is and there's a very specific reason for that and there's also a specific reason why you didn't pick it which i thought was fair was that this is like the natural next step to something like mistborn and that's how i got into the series now i'm going to learn from my first pitch i'm going to start off with the synopsis for this book for those of us not familiar with the way of shadows or the night angel trilogy uh by brent weeks um so durzo blint assassination is an art, and he is the city's most accomplished artist. For Azoth, survival is precarious, something you never take for granted. As a guild rat, he's grown up in the slums and learned to judge people quickly and to take risks. Risks like apprenticing himself to Durzo Blint. But to be accepted, Azoth must turn his back on his old life and embrace a new identity and name. As Kylar Stern, he must learn to navigate the assassin's world of dangerous politics and strange magics and cultivate a flair for 
death. Mm. So Ooh. quite an interesting premise here. You'll start to recognize a few things. You'll start to catch up on that grimdark tone, some roguelike aspects coming into play here. Yeah, I love rogues. Um, yeah, I know you love rogues, and I know you love Mistborn because we've read that on the show. Mm-hmm. And this is how I stumbled onto it because it to me it rang a lot of the same bells way, way back when I read Mistborn for the first time decade ago. I was like, oh, that was awesome. I want more. And The Way of Shadows by Brent Weeks was a very quick recommendation. And it's nice to see that Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn is still at the top of like the also recommended pile um, online for this book. Also at the top, Mark Lawrence's Prince of Thorns. Because I think it's important to note this book came out in 2008, which is right in those glory days of... Um, like the grim, dark, hard magic action fantasy. Mistborn was 2006 to 2008. So these books are coming out at like the exact same time, basically. Um, Prince of Thorns, not too far from around there. You, you know, you're getting the big success of Game of Thrones. Abercrombie's big success with this first trilogy shortly around this time. So these are the... This is, was from that golden age, you know? I, I think fantasy has kind of entered a new golden age with new voices and, and new stories to tell and this and that. But this is that previous generation where, hey, if you can push that grim, dark narrative and go big with it, then you can find a lot of success. And this is one of those tentpole releases around that time, along Mistborn, along Prince of Thorns, that's right there in that collection. That is just a gap that you need to read especially someone who's interested in the history of fantasy as a genre and the cultural trends and those changes in trends this is that classic 2008 like glory uh grim dark that you'll recognize pretty quickly um it, it's got significantly more ratings than bloody rose you know but bloody rose is the second in the book Seventeen thousand ratings versus 163,000 ratings still a far cry from your 1.6 million from a court of thorns and roses but that's still pretty high and should be worth considering you know there's praise by mark lawrence for this book um and it, it's got that hard magic system a la mistborn that i think you'll appreciate right away um, it's got a lot of that political intrigue, too, that keeps things interesting throughout the whole trilogy. Um, and I think of all the books I'm pitching today, it is perhaps the bloodiest and most grimdark book that I will recommend. So that is it's how this book is. bloodier than the book that has bloody in its title. That's Probably. I know it's going to have big grand battles. So from that point of view, from like body count, probably not. This is a much more personal story. But I re- distinctly remember, I'm talking like rooms just full of blood you know like it's part of that grim dark it's got that edginess to it and while i think you know you know bloody rose is a much more modern story right so it's it's trying to pull on new new things and do new things and try and be more entertaining you talked about kind of that cultural shift to be more entertaining in your pitches earlier in the week um and i think this is kind of where that's what's that what that is responding to right it's like hey we can be fun and tell jokes and still be a serious fantasy story this there's not many jokes to be found here it's all kind of edgy and um grim and grim so that is the way of shadows nine angel trilogy number one by brent weeks awesome picture charles the only author of the three that i have not read yet Mm -hmm. which and 
it's always been just a weird you said gap i'll say that's an accurate word uh, <laughs> weird gap in my reading it makes especially considering your tastes yeah it makes zero sense i haven't read <laughs> brent weeks uh it continues to make zero sense uh i don't know i don't know what my mental block is here uh i gotta work that out process it <laughs> but in the meantime <laughs> i'm glad that you brought these books to my attention for friends pitching fantasy i think like you said rogues are totally my thing grimdark i consider myself a big fan of the subgenre. all those books you're naming that are in the category um of like similar books i've read all of them and it's it definitely is a book that it feels like past due that i get to it uh un- unfortunately you also presented two other options yep. that feel that way especially like uh from you know from the show perspective robin hobbs assassin's apprentice it feels like a ch- huge gap in the so it's like i don't know this is gonna be really difficult i i don't know but this one hard magic systems love that as well and i think it'll be nice to go back and see like what is this a predecessor to we always talk about that like Mm -hmm. and it sounds like it'll be even if it's not funny it sounds like it's gonna have a lot of entertainment in it like oh yeah action and Mm -hmm. things like that so i don't i don't think that we'd be like bored (laughs) obviously definitely (laughs) not there's a lot going on in here I think yeah. much like, you know, the way people find criticism for Prince of Thorns, even Mark Lawrence himself, it's like, okay, extra edgy. But that's because, hey, it was a different time. It was 2008, right? Like people were writing Grimdark. They're pushing the envelope. They were being that, right? I think you'll find some of that to be um, from another time in popular fantasy, but that doesn't make it bad. It, if anything, it makes it more interesting because it's like, wow, here's where we come from. Because there is also the Lightbringer series, which is Brent Weeks' more recent work. Um, and I think most people will say that it's his best work so far. But I chose The Way of Shadows, one, because I've read it and I know it's right in line with what you like, especially as a fan of Sanderson and a fan of Mark Lawrence. But also, what's interesting enough is that Brent Weeks is returning to this world, and he's writing a new series um, that takes place right after this one in the same world called Night Angel Nemesis in this year, 2023. So... That kind might spice up the pitch for, for you a little bit here, ah. so you can be a little bit more aware of what's coming out today, you know, like any moment now. I don't have the exact release date. It just any says 2023, but any moment now, Night Angel Nemesis. It's also worth noting that this is a New York Times bestseller, obviously, and, you know, all of The Lightbringer, I think, was bestselling too. So Brent Weeks has only gotten better, and he's returning to the series that started it all. You know, The Way of Shadows was his first book. So lots of Prince of Thorns energy here, but that should only get you excited, Dylan, because there's a lot coming out. This series is not done yet, and all these years later, it's never going to be more relevant to have had the Way of Shadows under your belt 
in terms of reading experience. So definitely want to check that out um, and not a moment too late. Not a moment too late. It would be right, Charles. I I am very tempted. Sounds right up my alley in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the next book, which is a book. I mean, maybe you want to. Should I introduce my experience with it, or do you want? Is it like baked um, into your pitch in a way that I? You know, I can read the synopsis, and then we can get into your your history with it. I think might be work so i'll read the synopsis and then i'll turn it back to you i think it's the best way to do this because um we're talking about assassin's apprentice by robin hobb book number one of the farseer trilogy of all the books i've pitched this is obviously the most established you know robin hobb one of those mount rushmore faces in the in the in the mountain of fantasy authors right so um more ratings than the other two combined at 300,000 ratings, which is quite a fair amount. Not quite, again, that 1.6 million is blowing my mind with Sarah J. Moss. But, you know, this book predates Goodreads and all of that. So I'm sure it would have had significantly more um, if it came out today, but or if the technology existed back then, which it did not, because this came out in 1995. So wow. it's a classic. It is a literary I classic. It came out that long ago. Right, but it is so ahead of its time in so many ways and so progressive in so many ways that people are still touting it and loving it today in a way that a lot of other books from the 90s, we, we laugh at at how dated they are. <laughs> Robin Hood blows that away. One of the rare few. Or, or Ursula Le Guin from even further back obviously blows it away too. There's a few authors that can capture that future-proof um, mentality about the style of writing and it comes just from being a very talented literary author which can be another totally separate thing and and just from the themes and the characters she creates being so honest and 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 relatable and and future proof but uh before i get any more into my pitch i'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis here in a faraway land where members of the royal family are named for their virtues they embody one young boy will become a walking enigma born on the wrong side of the sheets which i thought was a weird phrase fits son of chivalry farseer I guess that's some 90s slang that that I don't... Born on the wrong side of the sheets. Um, Fitz, son... Are they trying to say he's a bastard? Is that what that expression is? Yes, because he's a royal bastard, so that puts him in a weird spot. Uh, And that's why he's this walking in the wrong side of the sheets. Is that what that means? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming it means. Um, Yeah, he was just, you know, the circumstances of his birth where he's only half royal is unfortunate um a royal bastard fits son of chivalry farseer is a royal bastard cast out into the world friendless and lonely only his magical link with animals the old art known as the wit gives him solace and companionship but the wit if used too often is a perilous magic and one abhorred by the nobility so when fits is finally adopted into the royal household he must give up his old ways and embrace a new life of weaponry scribing courtly manners and how to kill a man secretly as he trains to become a royal assassin. Thus, as you do, we get thrust into Assassin's Apprentice. So, classic premise here. You know, this is a super famous book. I picked it up as I was going through my list way back when I was first getting into fantasy. Of like, okay, I love what I've read. I want more. 
And this was like, hey, here's a well-established trilogy that's super famous and super good. So I jumped right on it, right through the whole trilogy. And before I get too far into it, you have an experience with this book as well, Dylan, right? You have picked this up once before. Shall we get into it? Yeah, it's always held a weird place in my (laughs) reading history. And one that I almost... uh, I'm not afraid to bring it up, but I'll avoid bringing it up if it's avoidable because it's mm-hmm. it's such a beloved book. And I read it like when I was first starting to get into fantasy, really. It was probably one of the first books I picked up after like A Song of Ice and Fire. And mm-hmm. it's called Assassin's Apprentice. And maybe I just came in with some like different expectations about what it was going to be be like but i i remember i i found it pretty slow and Mm -hmm. kind of plotting for me and i was like the inactivity of the protagonist Mm -hmm. uh, like kind of irked me in a way where i was like i don't know if this book is for me and it, it wasn't that i thought it was a bad book i was just like i don't know maybe this is just isn't one that i'm like gonna fall in love with and mm-hmm. i did finish the book and it, it just i don't know it didn't leave me dying to get into the sequel so mm-hmm. i never did and then you know more time passed i think it was actually later that i read the king killer chronicle which is a book that gets compared to this one in terms of it's like a focus on a particular character and it's like poetic writing and the willingness to really get in there when it comes to some of the more like tragic parts of a person's life all all that kind of stuff and kind of like the recounting of a first person narrative all that stuff and then king killer chronicle became like maybe my favorite book in the genre like Mm -hmm. right up there with like abercrombie's work and uh it's like I don't know. I was always like, what am I missing when it comes to Assassin's Apprentice? And that's years and years and years ago at this point. Right. Over a decade. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is weird to think. But (laughs) I've probably changed a lot. And Mm -hmm. what I expect from fantasy books has probably changed a lot. And this is one that I'm reaching a point where I'm like, is it time that I return to this book and give it another try because mm-hmm. i don't know and all these people who i feel like have pretty similar tastes to me love this book mm-hmm. so, i don't know i want to find out was there something i was missing did i go in with the wrong mindset i mm-hmm. don't know so, so it's, that's well said dylan there's there's a couple things to unpack there because it, it's true you know all the also recommends are the all-time greats you got abercrombie lynch rothis like those are the top recommended. And I would probably say Patrick Rothfuss is the closest thing I would I would recommend with Robin Hobb's Farseer trilogy, which is like one of your all-time favorite books. Yeah. So there is obviously a strong connection there. Um, I will say that um, all of your criticisms way back in the day from the book, if you want to call them that, are valid. This book is famous for being slower paced, 
Fitz is famous for being a bit of a miserable kind of character, fantasy's favorite doormat, as he is often <laughs> lovingly referred to. But there is something going on here with Assassin's Apprentice and, and the whole trilogy. I, I think this is one where if we chose it, we would have to read all three books. I mean, the, she's written, Robin Hobb has written like a bunch of books oh, yeah. with all these characters and this and that. But uh, the trilogy is a complete, concise story. And I think there's a reason, like, I think you have to kind of allow some grace and be along for the ride with some of the slow moving stuff. And especially this first book, um, because what Robin Hobb is doing is she is creating these relationships and these moments that happen by the end of this book that are so impactful and memorable that you need to sit with these characters for that long through those moments in order to feel the emotional impact you're going to feel when you make it to the end. It's just not possible without dwelling with these characters. And sure, could you make it more entertaining? I guess. But, you know, I read Assassin's Apprentice and I read The Way of Shadows pretty close together. You know, this was one phase of reading I had that I was binging all of these, like, classics. And... Modern classics. Modern classics. And... You know, I remember a few things about The Way of Shadows, but there's a lot that I've forgotten. I don't remember how it ends and stuff like that. Um, but Assassin's Apprentice, I remember exactly what happens. And it's it's like the way you described the way the Chathryn Voyage Quartet ends is how I feel sometimes when I read Assassin's Apprentice. I remember where I was when I flipped and closed the back cover of the last mm. book. I was on the train <laughs> commuting back sign. from work. And I was like, whoa, what was that? You know, it, it's it's not built around action. It's not built around adventure. It is built around very few characters. And you get to know them intimately and you get to know their relationships intimately and the way they ebb and flow and change is that much more impactful for it. It doesn't maybe make it the most popcorn, enjoyable fantasy. It doesn't make it, you know, if you've read Mistborn and then you read Prince of Thorns and then you read Night Angel and then you read right. this, you know, it might be a little bit <laughs> abrupt. But you've read so much fantasy now, you know, in the past 10 years and you've started to, you know, branch out and... Of course, you've learned to love um, Patrick Rothfuss. There's things in here like the main character suffering and the main romance being one that's kind of tortured that you like for some reason. So, I mean, I love it too, <laughs> let's be real. But I know you really love a young, tortured romance. It doesn't romance. have to be tortured. It just has to be well-written and sometimes, well, you know, the complex ones. Like, <laughs> you know, like anyone can write. I mean, I don't know if anyone can write, but you know. There's some authors, and I'll love Brandon Sanderson, but I'll I'll throw him to the wolves here for just a second. And, we can punch up I'll a little bit of Sanderson. Him, yeah, <laughs> I can tell him how great he is and how much I love his work overall. But his romances are like this very straightforward, like, uh, you know, it's always like, Boy meets girl, like the oh, we're all of a sudden spending boy likes more time girl together. Girls kind of awkward, in a new light. Ooh. <laughs> right? Blah blah blah. Uh, they fall for each other, and then they're like happy forever. Like mm-hmm. I asked you, <laughs> I mean, it's like, and Sanderson's not 
a romance writer. Like, that's not his focus at all, and the things he does extremely well are other places. But I don't know. That just doesn't appeal to me in the way that these, like, intricate, complex romances do. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like that is one of the strengths of the Farseer trilogy. It is perhaps the biggest strength of the Farseer trilogy. But, you know, it's... Like, this is not a happy book. Like, I will say that. I mean, it's not, like, sad either. Like, everyone dies or something like that. But it is not, like, the popcorn, I'm going to entertain you book. It's like, I might make you a little miserable, but you're going to love it. You know, that's kind of the vibe. And you have to be ready for that. That can be off-putting, especially when you're trying to appeal to a mass audience, you know? Like, why are you making me sad? Why is this character you know, failing at every turn or being taken advantage of at every turn. Like, why would you think I want to read something like that? I want to read Harry Potter where he wakes up one day and he's like super rich and like super famous and like, you know, he he kills the dark one and this and that. You know, it's like, that's what I want to read. You know, this is not... If this is not that, you know, so you have to be ready I'm okay for that, with that, which I think you very much <laughs> are. And, you know, Mark Lawrence said it best in his review of Assassin's Apprentice. You know, he says um, what Hobb does best, quite possibly better than every other fantasy writer is build, Ooh. develop and breathe life into relationships. Which, do do I say more than that? He also says a little bit earlier in his reviews, some elements of Hobbes' fantasy are fairly old school, but written with a modern style and a literary skill that one almost never used to see in fantasy and is still hard to find in the genre. Now, Dylan, does a modern style and literary skill remind you of anyone? Maybe a Patrick Rothfuss, perhaps? Because... (laughs) Their use of language is, like, respected at for the same reasons. You know, it's like, wow, he's, they're bringing this literary focus into their writing style for fantasy. It, it's, and they're very good at it. Like, they're really talented literary authors, which I feel like is a super huge bonus sometimes when you go into reading fantasy series. Like, yeah, everyone has great ideas and they're great storytellers and great world builders and things like that. But to be a literary talent as well like Ernest Hemingway you know you're like whoa okay like like to be that is like (laughs) rare you know it's it's skillful and that is where Rob kind of stands out from my other two picks today it is you know perhaps the most famous well-respected and literary accomplished book of all the ones I'm praising today so that's it that's Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb, and uh, yeah, highly recommend. It's funny that you bring Night Angel and Assassin's Apprentice up as two of your pitches in the same Friends Pitching Fantasy, because Night Angel is also about assassination, right? And I feel like Night Angel is probably what I thought uh, assassin's apprentice was gonna it's literally also (laughs) a person who becomes an assassin's apprentice right like exactly yep so like if two books that could have been called assassin's apprentice and they are just drastically different books and i think if i picked up night angel it would have been exactly what i was expecting of a book called assassin's apprentice right it's like this action-packed uh like 
uh, intense book about learning to become an assassin and killing people and all these roguelike tendencies going on and thieving and blah, blah, blah. Yep, right. Yep. And then I pick up the Farseer trilogy and I'm like, that's not how this was pitched to me at all. But now I'm having it pitched to me in a drastically different <laughs> way. And it sounds way more appealing. And I think it's funny how much your headspace going into something can impact uh, how much you enjoy it. Even like the amount of times I've heard people be like, oh, I would have loved this book if it weren't so hyped up. Right. And there's part of me that's like, uh, like I wish I wish we could not punish books for being hyped like that. But uh, there's the other part of me that's like, that's a very natural human reaction. If you go oh, in sure. expecting something I do that with one movies way, and TV and, shows all the time. Yeah. It's like, eh, too many people recommended it. I don't want to check it out. <laughs> it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, reason, and I don't know if that's human. been... Yeah, I don't think that's been the problem with uh, Farseer because I did try it. But mm-hmm. I, I just think expectations uh, drastically well, – I've said drastically like three times. Um, they heavily impact your perception of something that you read. And I think mine are calibrated this time. So <laughs> I feel like if I chose it, I, I'm likely to have a very different experience. And – Mm-hmm. It makes it very appealing because I, I want to like it, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's I wanted to like it the first time too. I, I feel like I'm missing out by nature of not <laughs> having been someone who loved this book, <laughs> right? I feel like you if you're yourself, ready but... to accept Robin Har- Hobb into your heart, then this oh. will be a very rewarding experience for you, especially if we make it all the way to the end, which I'm going to like require that if we pick this, we have to read all three books because wow. I do want to talk about the ending. You know, I, I do want to get your reaction to that. And I think that's what all the, you know, maybe the slower parts of book one, I think are paying off by the end, you know? So it's like, I, I want to talk about the payoff. So that's it. It's just a matter of where your state of mind is at. I, I feel like if you think you're ready for this, I think this would be a great pick. But there are two other fantastic picks on here as well that you have to get through. And to recap for those listening at home, the three books I pitched today are Bloody Rose by Nicholas Eames, book two of the Band Trilogy, The Way of Shadows by Brent Weeks, book one of the Night Angel Trilogy, and then Assassin's Apprentice by Robin Hobb, book one of the Farseer trilogy three interesting blended books here two assassin books um there's a couple interesting things going on in these picks i have no idea what you're going to choose i'm excited though um i'd love to read any of these again so really looking forward to your reactions and your picks later on in the week as we finalize our next reads and friends pitching fantasy Mm, well said charles and the listeners do have an opportunity to try to sway me. I won't mm-hmm. just go with whatever gets the most votes, but if I see a certain book getting a lot of votes and others not, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll consider that in my uh, decision. So keep an eye out on our. And I think the media. last time we ended up picking the ones that got the most votes, I think. Um, Didn't we? Maybe. Don't hold me to that, listeners, Maybe. but I'm pretty sure we did. So there you go. There's precedent there. Um, yeah. Check them out. Yeah, either way. I think I think my poll was, like, very close. 
Yes. Like, the Yours had almost like bumps. a 50-50 split for yeah. two of them. And mine yeah, was a breakaway. So I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But so I can't remember if I picked one of the two books I was getting the like the highest votes. So that's mm-hmm. it definitely helps. And especially if I'm like where I very well might be with these books, I'm like, oh, I can't choose wrong. This is so hard. It can it can be the thing that pushes me in one direction or the other. So for sure, I'm excited to hear all you listeners' feedback. I'm excited to get into whatever book we end up getting into out of these. And Charles, beautiful pitching. Thank you, thank you. I it was a lot of fun bringing back some of these. I think I've pitched both Way of Shadows and Assassin's Apprentice before. I can't remember if I ever pitched Robin Hood before. I feel like I did. So really excited to bring them back. Maybe one day you'll choose one of them. Who knows? But um, you know what? Uh, either way, I, I think we'll, we'll just have to wait and find out. And the only thing left to do is to play that sweet, sweet outro music. Get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. Okay. Did we say Friday is likely when we'll release? Friday is likely when the announcements will drop. So that means you got to hurry up and get over to socials and, and make sure your voice is heard. And uh, that can be done over at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they want to support the show even more than giving us a good shout out on social media or coming and talking to us over on the socials, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast, which you can do over at Spotify, where most of you are listening. Just two clicks over at the top of the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast feed. It means so much to us when you do that. It also means a lot to us when you rate and or review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think it's so cool they have the opportunity to write up some of the things that you hopefully love about <laughs> FTF and it always puts a <laughs> smile on my face and presumably on Charles's face as well presumably so (laughs) but just listening is more than enough thank you so much for doing that just listening more than enough i couldn't agree more dylan thank you all so so much for making it to the end you guys are the best we greatly appreciate you thank you thank you thank you and as always go forth and conquer friends